Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood, the only Baltimore podcast that had two people in the Preakness infield and one at the Adley Rushman game. We had all the events covered on Saturday, boys. We were, we were everywhere. So, I mean, I don't know if there's another podcast out there that was diversifying its resources quite like we were. We were at all the big Baltimore events. It was huge. What a day. What a day Saturday was. It was it was quite a day. I again, if you're up early like I am on the weekends, that 8 a.m. on Saturday hit like no other. I mean, it was 8 a.m. on the dot. I had nothing planned. I was like, all right, I'm going to I had to go to Home Depot, had to get a uh, new uh, weed whacker. And I was going to cut the grass that I apparently don't have, according to Brian. Um, Not even enough to really warrant a weed whacker. And then boom, 8 a.m. on the dot. The notification comes across from Rock. It's happening. Adley Rutschman is being recalled. Uh, coming up to the bigs, we'll wear 35, blah, blah, blah. From there, it was just, just, I must have sent out 50 tweets in three minutes. It was a nightmare for anyone following me who who was unaware of, of what was going on. But, yeah, it was quite a day. I know you guys were at Preakness that, of course, it didn't rain. It was only, what, 95 degrees, 98 degrees. Taylor, there was a a photo put out there from the paparazzi of you um, applying your sunscreen. Yes. Yes. I was not going to, I was not going to be burned. I was it was not, not his burn. first application by any means. No, I was, I was going every couple of races. We were, we were reapplying. <clears throat> it had to be done. It had to you be had done. to, you had to hydrate and, and reapply, hydrate and reapply. That's I thought we did an excellent job managing all those things um, in the infield, whether it be the sun, uh, the dehydration, the consumption, uh, the races themselves, uh, just an excellent day all around. It was tremendous. It was tremendous. It was, it was, I came out of it. I thought I was going to be just beaten down by the sun. And I had some energy after we got back, which I thought was stunning. And I thought that was partly with how we managed. We really managed our time with the, the sunscreen. I, I would, you know, thank us for our service in terms of how we handled it. That. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I thought it was just tremendous. We really couldn't pat ourselves on the back anymore. And what a day. It was a really good day at Pimlico. I mean, if it was 10 degrees cooler, um, that's like an awesome day. It was like beautiful that it was sunny. I, was I thought it was still perfect. Yeah. I think a, I think we just paced ourselves very well. No. Which and, is what and, the day is all about. And that's a no intrigue in that race. I'm sorry. Like we were like building up to obviously, you know, the preakness, the big <clears> race there at the end of the day. And with no second leg of the triple crown. There's just not, I mean, obviously there's gambling going on and things like that. So people are intrigued in that way for sure. As with all the races throughout the day, but it just like, just did not feel as big. Who even who won? Up to it. Who won? Honest Early question. voting. I, oh, that's right. Cause I remember saying that was a good name for a horse. I specifically made sure to remember cause I knew we were going to talk about it and I didn't want it to be a situation. I knew you wouldn't know Eric. And I was just like, one of me and banks has to know this. And I was like, I was going to be sure. Good. I remember that. I know. <laughs> Otherwise, we're going to sound like we weren't even there. I just it remember I hit big on race 14, the race after the Preakness. That one yes, random did. ass race yes, they did. did. I, I came up big there to bounce back to even. And then we walked around for two hours trying to find an Uber. Uh, a hot dog out there was quality, I got to say. The interesting part, though, I think of your and I experience, and it will, will, so it brings it back into the Adley discussion here that we'll start with. Obviously, the big news of Adley, you talked about it, caught up on Saturday. I would say banks maybe at five o'clock, maybe four thirty. I don't know, somewhere around that late afternoon time. You were like, maybe, maybe we go to the yard. Maybe, maybe you were like sort of thinking about it at that point. 
And I was like, I don't know. I mean, it's the, the pre is going to start at like seven Oh five or whatever it is. Like, can we even make it? And it sort of like spoke to, I guess the conflict of some people having to deal with like being very excited about Adley, but also having pretness plans, which I would say you and I fell into that category, mm-hmm. Brian. So um, RDT, do you want to put out your manifesto on this whole thing that's been raging on Twitter? You are at the forefront of one side of this debate. So I'll let you sort of say your piece and then we can, we can give this some discussion. Cause I do think it's, I do think it's interesting. I don't think it's as like, you know, people are like freaking out about both sides of it. I don't think it's like that big of a deal, but it's sort of interesting. The, essentially the ad, you know, should the Orioles have not called Adley up on pre Saturday? Well, again, I mean, and here's the thing. Also, I will say I met a handful of people at pickles at probably around six o'clock who had the backwards hat, the button down shirt to like their mid chest and their chest was just beat red. And I said, you came from pickles and they were like, or I said, you came from pregnancy. Yeah. And they said, took a $60 Uber over here. And they were like, <laughs> yeah, they said, you know, we got there at nine or whatever. And they were like, we did that. We came directly here. Um, so I, and again, I talked to quite a few people who were like, yeah, you know, we did half day there came over to pickles, which again, isn't a bad way to, uh, to spend a day. Um, the whole should they call him up on Preakness or should they not or whatever? Again, I don't think it's a conversation at all. It's being made into a conversation by people in the the Baltimore media, I guess. Um, you know, people saying like they handled this so poorly. I can't believe they did it like this. I got told that they were fucking over Adley by do by bringing him up on Preakness, and it's like that's. I no, mean, that's a we, little. That's a little much. What are we doing here? They're not calling, you know, like, like, what are we really saying that? Like, could it have been better? Yeah. Again, is it ideal to call him up at eight in the morning? Not call him up. He knew he was coming up the night before, obviously. Is it the right move to tell people at eight in the morning that he's coming up? You could have given people more time. Um, Because again, like you said, people probably what? Thursday, if you didn't have tickets to the Preakness, people Thursday is probably the day where people are going, Hey, what are you doing this Saturday? You want, you know, what do we want to do? Do we want to go to Preakness? Because again, that those aren't tickets. I feel like you don't buy Preakness infield tickets the day of. I feel like that's a thing you, you, you said something you're planning to do. You have to, you have to plan your Friday around your Saturday there. There's all kinds of early bird deals where it's like, Yep, every month it goes up $10. So Mm -hmm. three months in advance, people are buying tickets. Well, and, and that's the thing, too, is like, you know, it, it, people had bought tickets. People were going to go to Preakness. It's it's whatever. But I think the people who had been waiting and waiting and waiting for this day, like people like me and, you know, not 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 saying casual fans or anything like that. But I think there were people who were like, um, you know, it, once they saw it at 8 a.m. that he got called up. I mean, the first thing I did was I hopped online and I bought two tickets right away. They were super cheap. Um, I know ticket prices went up throughout the day. But again, I think if you wanted to go to the game and you wanted to see Adley, you would have gone like people would have gone. And it's nothing against, again, people like you guys who went to Preakness. I know that's something, again, you guys had circled on the calendar for a while. Um, But the people who were like, they did Adley a disservice by putting it on Preakness. It's like, no, Michael Elias didn't. I don't even know if Michael Elias knew Preakness was Saturday. And, And to be honest, like it's not his, you know, it's not his job to be like, you know, man, I kind of want to call Adley up for the weekend, but Preakness, like, no, like Banks said last week, it was very clear they had a plan. The plan was for him to catch Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, give him off Friday, and 
recall him or call him up on Saturday. So that that's what they did. Again, it doesn't matter if it was Christmas, if it was Preakness, if it was, you know, Yom Kippur, it doesn't matter what day it was. I think he was always going to come up that day that he caught, you know, they probably planned it out a couple of weeks in, a, in, a, in, in advance and said, okay, May, whatever, boom, 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 give him that off day Friday and then we'll call him up. And again, it just happened to be on Preakness. And I, again, to me, it's not like Preakness was like, I'm sure it was a great time, like you guys were saying, but there's no triple crown runner. It's not like there were people being like, I got to go to Preakness. We got to go see, you know, see the race or we got to go do this. Um, I think if you bought, if you already had tickets, you were going to go and be content with it and be fine with it. But like the people being like, you know, I, it's so disrespectful and it's, it's a Baltimore tradition. And how could they do this? And Sully his like, that's not it at all. Cause Taylor, like you said in the text, everything else they did was perfect for it. Every, all the rollouts, the, the, the Buck Britton video in the, in the, the, his office was great. Like all the stuff they put around it was, was awesome. And like if if them calling him up at eight a.m. on a Saturday is the worst thing that happened to him, sure. It's we're not going to remember it in two weeks, anyways. You know, I think people again were doing it was much ado about nothing. Um, and again, I mean, there were seventeen thousand at the game. I thought it was a really good crowd. Um, the you know, I mean, there was a someone was saying that it wasn't electric. That place was buzzing. Every I mean, every every chance we got, we were giving him a standing ovation. He got a standing ovation after a strikeout. Um, it was, I mean, it was a fun game. I, I had a lot of fun there. And, and again, for the people just being like, this was, they did it so wrong. It's like, just, I think we pumped the brakes and like, let's not everything needs to be such an insanely like hot take, like instant reaction like that. I disagree. I think they did it wrong. I think they needed to market it better. I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you that it, to, to say that Adley got fucked over is a bridge too far. That's so dramatic. It's over the top. But, you know, especially when it comes to a rebuild, when you've had your guys, you know, you've been putting these mediocre is the nicest way you could possibly put it. A mediocre product out on the field for three, four years now, maybe longer. Like when you start to turn the tide, you start to flip, you know, flip some of these switches and say, hey, we're turning the ignition on this thing. We're, we're starting up the, uh, you know, the come up after the rebuild and everything like this is the biggest domino of all of them. Mm -hmm. And it's just simple, like marketing or simple, like fan relation to try to give some advanced notice to build some excitement. I know that that's why they went with 8am. And I thought that 8am element of it, if they were going to do a same day thing was executed. Great. I'll give them that for sure. But it, it kind of flies in the face of what I said last week. Like, I know that they had a plan. It felt good that they had a plan. I just don't think I liked the plan, if that makes sense. No, I think maybe a end of the night Thursday. Did they play a Thursday night game? Who the the Orioles or the, the, the Orioles? North, Norfolk play Orioles played at noon. Norfolk played that night, and then Norfolk played Friday night. I I I'm with you. I thought they should have done it. I thought if you're gonna make an announcement, make it after because I said. They, they walked off the – did they beat the Yankees on – yeah, they beat the Yankees on Thursday. I said, if I was Mike Elias, I would have Vince McMahon walked into that press conference, grabbed the microphone from Hyde, and said, guess what? Adley's catching on Friday. Boom, drop the mic and you walk out. Friday would have been perfect. But even then, like, if they said Thursday that he's going to catch Sunday – or Saturday, rather. 
I think that that is a is a good amount of leeway, good good amount of lead time for, like you said, Thursday's kind of a day where people start to think about what they're going to do the weekend if they have free time or what, you know, how they're going to spend their time, whatever. And um, I'm, I'm like my message last week about having a plan and sticking with it and not listening to the, the media and what everybody has to say is I like, I stand by that for the most part, but you can't be completely oblivious or completely blind to the idea that your relationship with the fans and, and how you manage the whole situation, it, it matters. It does matter. And, you know, Elias's main job is putting a good product on the field. And that's the best way to win back the fan base, but you have to give you have to give some level of consideration to, you know, how you want the fans to show up at the ballpark or maximize, you know, these opportunities because when these guys come up, those are opportunities. So, I mean, it may be, it's probably going to be easier when you call up a guy like Grayson because he's an every fifth day guy, but I'd like to see them do something better on that. And, and I'm sure they will. Um, and like you said, like Elias's main job is to put that good product out there. I just don't think Elias, like in, I don't think in his mind at all, he thought like, oh, you know, we're going to, it's Preakness, you know, it, it runs at 701 or whatever, and we got a game that night, you know, let's just go ahead and do it anyway. I, I, again, I think, I think they just had that schedule. They stuck to it and said, again, Preakness, whatever, uh, Ravens week one, you know, Kenny Chesney concert, whatever it's going to be, doesn't matter. We're going to, we're going to throw them out there. But that's my point. If they had the plan, they knew the plan and it was just a matter of executing the plan then let the public know. Like, so I think, I think the only thing is my, my guess is they were going to wait. Cause okay. So I was told the last week that they were going to obviously, and this is what they, I'm sure they did the whole time. They were going to check in with him every morning after, you know, after he caught and see how he's feeling. And if there was any, like, you know, whatever, he didn't feel good. He didn't feel sore, right. Whatever that they were going to, you know, kind of push the plan back. So I guess, you know, they were going to wait till, you know, again, they probably could have done it Friday. They could have checked in with him Friday because it sounded like people knew he wasn't going to play Friday. Um, we got told that around like four o'clock, you know, even that would have been a perfect opportunity to, you know, announce that he's not playing then, you know, the second he's not in the lineup, I think everyone kind of figured that he was going to come up, um, but they wanted, they, they called him up after the game, but I, I don't, I, I mean, I'm with you. I think it could have, it could have been better. I, like I said, Thursday would have been perfect. Friday afternoon would have been perfect. Friday morning, something like that. It just didn't happen, you know, but again, the people making it like such a big stink and let's like, we waited for weeks and weeks. And this kind of builds into your thing with like, you know, you got to give something to the fans. We called it for months and months and months. Like this guy has to be up. He has to be up. We need him has to be up. And then when he comes up, people are like, well, it's bullshit. And it's like, well, and again, it's all going to be for not when, when, you know, we're not going to talk about this ever again. It's going to be over in two weeks, but it's just like nauseating with the, 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 like they, they have to handle him better and they have to do this better and preakness and that, and this and that. But I, I mean, I get, I see what you're saying. It, and, and, and like you said, with Grayson, and I mean, and it also goes back to with weeders, they announced that on a Tuesday and he started on Friday and, and no one really knows the, the, the idea behind that, but you know, it happened and I don't know. Again, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it. I was, I was able, again, I thought it was plenty of time for people if they wanted to go to the game to go again, there, there are people who couldn't go, which sucks. Um, 
just gives you more more reason to come out and uh and 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 head to a game you know this next week when they come home i guess i would i guess i would sort of play the middle of the road from this perspective like i think my biggest issue with the entire i'll say my biggest issue and then my biggest positive my biggest issue was it just sucked to have to make the choice like between and i think i said this to you guys when we were hanging out banks at the preakness it's like there's literally one sporting event a year in Baltimore besides maybe the like two or three Ravens games that the Orioles could clash with that is driving anything away from potentially going to an Orioles game that feels big. And Preakness is one of those things. There's not, it's not like we're, and you know, this is not to demean Baltimore. But it's not like we're in like New York where there's a hundred teams. You're in LA where there's a hundred teams. You're in the, you know, Dallas or whatever these places. Like there aren't that many things that take people away from something that would have happened at Camden Yards like this. And Preakness is literally one of the only, like one of only like four or five things. So that just sucked to see that. And I was so excited. And this is my positive. The content they put out about it was incredible. Like, I, I you know, one of the video people I've talked about, Tony Price, works to work at Maryland. I texted him. I was like, you made guys made me like feel things. Like they did such a good job. Like the first video was good. And that being now, that being the commercial spot that's playing on Massa now, like watching the, you're watching the game on Massa, and that's the commercial spot, that initial video with the cell phone. The Obviously, you talked about the Buck Britton video. That was great. They had the like docu-series ready to go of like profiling him. Like when people are most interested, they capitalized. I, I thought that showed like a level of like, you know, we, we talk about the Orioles, you know, it's which is so weird as someone that works for like sort of like a sports organization, I guess. We like analyze these things super closely without actually like being in any of these rooms. But I just thought like, you know, as opposed to like, you know, times where the Orioles have felt, you know, over the uh, their entire lifetime, this is not specific to any one regime where they feel like incompetent and don't do things right. I mean, it was just so like, I just thought they just hit like all the marks so well and made me like, it made it feel like such a big deal. And so once they make it feel like such a big deal, I'm like, Oh my God, I want to go to this game. But then I'm like, Oh my God, I bought an $80 Preakness ticket or whatever it was. And I've had this on my calendar for three months and I just can't, I want to, if I go to Preakness, I want to stay for the actual Preakness with a post time of seven o'clock. So then I've got to then try to get the hell out of Pimlico, which is impossible and then get all the way. So for those specific group of people, it just sucked to have to make that decision. Cause I, you know, you think about the Adley debut for so long and you're like, God, this is like an Orioles game. I'd really want to be at if I had the ability to, and in any other day of the week, I would have had the ability to go to that game and I didn't on this specific Saturday. So that part of it sucked. Do I think that like, it's an incredible, like I was hot on it early as like a huge marketing failure. I mean, look, if he's good and the rest of these guys are good, we'll never think about like the revenue they lost of not selling 10,000 more tickets at this specific game. I just thought it was, it was, it was like not upsetting. It was just tough to like, be like, ah, I just don't think I can make it to this game because I have this other thing that's in Baltimore that means something to a lot of people as well. That was just the tough part about it. And that just is the way it fell. And like, yeah, it would have been great. Even if they'd planned it Saturday, it would have been great to hear about it three days before. So maybe like a make adjustments, do what you want to do, whatever it is. I do think like, I agree with what both of you guys said, the people that are like that they fucked him over and no, they made him look like a million trillion kajillion bucks in every single thing that they did. The fan base's reception to him was amazing and just showed you honestly showed you how good of a job 
to an extent the Orioles have done of building Adley as a personality since they drafted him. Like, it's not like he's been playing in Baltimore for three years. He's been scattered around the state and, and in Florida and had a COVID year. Not that anyone would have forgotten about him, but people were so ready for him. And they built it so well during the day that there was this crescendo of buzz that you talked about, Eric. You said there's buzz in the stadium. And that's them building to it. And that's an incredible job by them. And now every reception Adley gets for, you know, for the next whatever month until it's normal that he plays at home will be incredible. And people will continue to watch all the things they do about him. And if he plays well in the field, it's going to get even more to even more and more of a fever pitch. I just said, like, you know, we were sitting there looking at the Adley when I was sitting there looking at the Adley stuff at like 830 or whenever I looked, whenever we started texting about it, I was like, ah, because the initial first thing that went through my head was like, can I make it to this game from Pimlico? And I'm like, there's just no chance. Like, there's no chance I'm getting out of there. Bef- you know, maybe I could have, like, we talk about it, Banks. You're like, maybe you show up at 8.15 in the, in the, or 8.30 in the sixth inning or the fifth inning. And I'm just like, you know, I don't, I don't know how much energy I'm going to have there being the 100, you know, <laughs> the 100 um, degree heat all day. So, like, that part of it was just, annoying and like was a for me at this point a small blip and now how i remember like the adley rushman debut the triple was great i saw the clip it was awesome the 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 video of adley looking around the stadium as everyone's cheering for me he comes out the first time an incredible video the all the stuff the orioles did i i really like i'll say one more time cannot praise them enough for like how obviously they were ready for it. I mean, this was, they had to hit this out of the park and they did like, they did not hit a double. Like they hit a home run <laughs> to use the proper um, sport analogy. Here's we talk about baseball. Um, but I just love, it's so funny. This is the most Baltimore thing too. Like the team is, you know, playing well actually right now, but like not good. So it's like, you have to have arguments on like the marketing of the Adley Rushman debut, which is just funny that this has now become like the dominant storyline of the last four days. Um it would have been kind of awesome for, I guess they just didn't like um, cross over. Like if Pumlico went later for them to have like put something on a screen about, I don't know. There's just not the synergy there. And Pimlico didn't have any time to prepare for that. So that's nothing on them. There's just, it just like that, that was the worst part about it. So I like, it was definitely not the perfect world of a debut from like all the standpoints, but there were also things about it that were perfect. So yeah. It's just a, it's a it's a it's a interest it's an interesting thing for me and I was like this will be immediately when it happened when they announced it on Saturday morning I was like this is gonna make people feel some kind of way and it has so at least people are talking about the Orioles it's good for them yeah and and again I mean you could kind of see it coming when it's like you're doing the mental math and you're like all right well it seems like freaking Saturday you know may may be the day and like you said it it forces people to be like do I try and scout my ticket do I try you know. How do I, how do we go about this? Um, and, and going back to the, like the videos and stuff like that. I mean, you're right. Every, every single one they did was awesome. They mic'd up his sister, Josie, um, and had her in the crowd and talking to him, which was really cool. I like, I've talked about the Buck Britton one is, is an awesome, awesome video. I mean, I, and I messaged Grayson. I, I said, where I said, what's up? Well, like, why were you not in the room? What, what was going on? He said he was just outside the room um, because there wasn't enough room and, and, Buck's office for all of them to go in there. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, shout out to my guy, Johnny Douglas for putting my tweet is the very last tweet you see on that phone in that Masson commercial or the Orioles commercial. Not a big deal. Uh, I think when I tweeted at 12, by the way, big day for our tweets in videos, your, tweet oh my was God, in the Orioles video. And then we all had tweets in the two friends, big booty mix drop video. So 
I mean, Pod couldn't was, be hotter right now. That was huge. That was huge as the Yankees walk it off because they're a fucking pitiful team still. Yankee fans are like coming themselves in the in the stands right now. This is who amazing. walked it off. I didn't have it in front of me. Uh, it's uh, Trevino, the uh, <laughs> the catcher hitting a buck thirty. Tough. Uh, Eric's got to fire off some tweets now. He's got to yeah, do his content. Fucking pathetic Yankee fans. No, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, the, yeah, like, I mean that 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 video was so good, and, and and the Buck Britton thing. Like to continue your point there, it's just so interesting. And then yeah, I guess we got to sort of talk about Adley on the field. I mean. The triple was awesome. He's batting under 200 and very limited at bats at this point, but doesn't look overwhelming. At bats have been really good. So hopefully it just kind of turns around for him from, uh, you know, he gets balls in play and the average goes up a little bit, but um, he does not look overwhelmed, at least in the at-bats I've watched. His his first at-bat, I think he struck out on four pitches. And I think I think I read that three of them were change-ups. And again, I think the first at-bat, he kind of looked like, I think he swung at the first, swung at the second, as Adley is staring right now at the big screen, watching the video of like where he set up or he was not happy with something in that video. Um, swung at one of them. I think, I think they said he swung at three of them, obviously struck out on four pitches. Um, but then the next at bat, he laid off. Uh, I think he had four changeups thrown to him. They said, and he didn't swing at one of them. I don't think so. And yeah, I mean, every at bat has been awesome. He's seeing tons of pitches. He's fouling them off. It's like he's, he gets aggressive early in the count, and then it's like he just waits out the pitcher. And he's, again, even when he's striking out or when he's pop, you know, popping it up, I mean, he's having really good at bats. Again, I mean, we haven't seen him make too many plays behind the plate so far. He had a nice tag out tonight. Um, he did get a standing ovation when he caught a pop-up behind home plate on Saturday, which was pretty funny, like a legitimate, like, everyone out of their seats standing. Um so yeah, it was um again, I mean, it's it's I'm anxious to see how he does cuz he's he's hit some balls on the screws, they just haven't gone out. Um the triple was great. I still have no idea how they ruled out a triple. Brett Phillips bobbled that thing like it's so like clearly was, an error. Like he was in the circus. Like he's like I mean, I don't know what they were doing there. I think that's the hometown cooking. That's a good hometown. That well, that's that's the. I mean, that's where you hometown cook right there. In school, yeah, yeah. Sure. Oh, 100 percent. You're like, fuck and, it. We're not doing this. Where we give him a double and a base error, a single and a two base error, whatever. And and of course, like it falls into the like, um, you know, Manny and Weeders both had triples in their first, you know, their first Orioles hits, and so did people forget Ryan McKenna also did that. So. <laughs> throwing Ryan McKenna with those guys. Shout out to Ryan McKenna. Yeah. But um no again, I mean I, I've never I've never clapped so hard and, and had so much fun at a at a uh six to one loss. I'll say that on Saturday. The Orioles now take a loss tonight, but are 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 scrappy at least at the very least right now. Um I I hadn't watched I don't like watch these full games. I pretty much watched the entire game last night. Uh, by the way, John means in the booth. He's very great. fun. He's he great. He's really, really good. good. He's really good. Um, I had a Yankee fan text me and be like, why is someone in the booth saying, let's go after every hit? And I was like, well, the guy's on the team. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what you want to tell, what you want me to yeah. tell you. Um, so good job by John means, but um, you look, they're, they're certainly competitive in these games. Um, that's nice to see. It's nice to see really the least competitive they've been in this stretch was the Hadley debut um, where they just were not in the game at all. But um, yeah, you say this team is fun, Eric. I mean, that has been your, your calling card here. I mean, I was talking to people like, again, this team is, they're now eight games under 500, but 
you know, earlier today, I said, this team is seven games under 500 and like people are texting me and DMing me and they're being like this. I'm like legitimately having fun watching them again. Like, I mean, their, their pitching is, is, is still holding up. Um, the bullpen is just nails, except for tonight. You had Logan Gillespie come in the, in the game and the, the, I think eighth or ninth inning, it was the third career game ever. And so he kind of coughed that up, which is kind of to be expected. Um, but other than that, I mean, again, Felix Bautista looks like the real deal. Jorge Lopez is still is still pitching great. Keegan Aiken has turned into like the lefty Mariano Rivera. I don't understand it out of the pen. Um, and yeah, I mean, the team again, Trey's right up around 300. Santander's playing well. Jorge Mateo is back. McKenna or McKenna Mountcastle's back. Austin Hayes is back. So the lineup that we saw at this time last week is not the lineup that we're looking at now. We're looking at a lot of. I mean, it, it's a decent lineup. It's, it's a very good lineup. They put up five on Cole last night and, you know, beat them. So they put up six tonight. So, again, this we're not that far away from, from the team, you know, play, playing, playing, I think, decent baseball and playing spoiler for a lot of people this summer. But I, th- I think they're going to turn some heads and, and just, again, play some good baseball. Can I tell you guys something before we move on here? Well, before we move on to one last Royce topic, uh, the NBA playoffs – are absolutely atrocious in every way. And I am someone that defends the NBA. I'm just checking the Warriors Maverick score. The Mavs are up 23. None of these games are close at all. They're not the, the game Saturday night between the Heat and the Celtics was fun at the end, but it was pretty much a blowout for the entire time. What is going on? There's really no like dominant team. So you'd think that this would be a better playoffs, and it just is not delivering at all. I mean, oh my god, this game is just not that fun. There's been what? How many? So I, mean, I had to get that in there. I mean, I just it's just like what? There was some stat about like twenty point. I think mm-hmm. Big Cat might have put it out the other day. Yeah, it's I just like that. sucks. Well, again, the best game has been what that that Celtics Celtics versus Nets in game two. Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, it was a really good game. That and Bede hit a game winner, but it's like other than that, every game stinks. It feels like it was three months ago, too. It's horrible. Whatever. They're bad. The only thing more horrible is our your guy Buster only on Twitter right now talking about Mike Messina. That's what I was going to finish our Orioles talk with here. I'm ready to talk about this. <laughs> it's been four days of war on Twitter. I've actually Eric is has fatigue about it. I think it's been this really interesting curve where it was like, this guy's on like day one, the first hour, this thing gets announced 8 a.m. Saturday. And his second tweet about it, I think the first one was just your very generic report. Allie Rushman's getting called up by the Orioles today. Tags the next tweet, attached it to the original tweet, and goes on about the Messina thing. Um, I mean, I don't know if one of you has it in front of you, but should we read it for the audience or should we just let it roll? I think everybody knows what we're talking about here, or at least anybody with a Twitter account. I think that the day two and three, it was like less interesting and less funny to me. And then day four, when he came back with it, and now John Heyman has got, come full circle with it and is now doing the same thing. It's like funny to me again. Like we've gone through this this interesting curve where it's been like, oh my god, this fucking clown. And then day two was like, this guy's still going. And then day three was like, oh my god, Buster, shut the fuck up. And then day four is just like, it's funny to me. And this guy owning him, Eric, you can explain that better than I can. 
Let me, is, let me find that. Yeah, because someone, gold. some, it's absolute gold. Someone had tweeted to him, and I'll give him the credit if I can find it. Here, here it is. So, Buster Olney, this is May twenty third. Today, yeah, today's the twenty fourth. From the research of Paul Hembo, uh, Mike Mucin is the in all caps only Hall of Famer (parentheses writers ballot) who does not have his number retired by his first organization after spending at least his first ten seasons with that team. At Blanda Fan G says Orioles must be upset that he left the organization for more money. And Buster says, actually, they didn't make an offer. Then Joey Martelli, whoever this guy is, is a goddamn saint, tweets an article from written by Buster Olney on November 7th, 2000. And I quote, if George Steinbrenner and the Yankee, if George Steinbrenner, the Yankees principal owner, agrees to offer Mucina a seven-year deal or a six-year $90 million deal, they will probably have an excellent chance of signing the right-hander. The Baltimore Orioles, the team for which Mucina has played, offered the pitcher a six-year, $72 million deal. So only said... That's he tough. Did, he, he wrote it. He wrote it. Albeit it was 22 years ago. But he wrote it. And yeah, the guy owning him with his own article. I mean, that's the ultimate, like... That's the dunk. That's the... That's the... Um, the the rap the rap freestyle video um reaction you, you can't come back from that you wrote it dude so yeah it's the i mean i don't think anyone cares about it. i mean people care about it but i don't think mike mucina cares about this i don't think like why like where was all this outrage when brad brock was wearing it or daniel cabrera was wearing it or you know when brad bergeson 35 omar quintanilla yeah like who I would more, I would rather Adley wear it than Omar Quintanilla. Like, I I, I don't. The, the thing I, I just to don't me, know. it's like, always fascinating to me when like national sports writers like have this different vantage point of something that they think is a big deal, and to a local market or a local sports fan base, they just could not care less about this. And I think the Mike Mussina thing is such like old news it's just like we know what the score is in terms of how the Orioles do their number retirements and the Hall of Fame and all that stuff and it just is what it is and it's just old news and the only person who wants to talk about it is somebody who is not part of our community it's fascinating for for people that have not seen the tweet because there is obviously a world outside of Twitter only tweeted that Rush, this is the morning that Adley was called up, that Rushman will wear number 35 as a reminder that the Orioles have not retired the number of Hall of Famer Mike Mussini, who was drafted by Baltimore, pitched 10 years with the O's, and then he lists some stats off. Um, an odd decision. Threaded tweet. A wise course of action for the current leadership would be to assign Rutschman some number other than 35 to give the organization leeway to more easily reverse course and retire from Mussina. I yeah, I mean, I just don't know if people really care. Like, it just is what it is. And then obviously he continued on with a couple of other couple of things. I was funny. I didn't know if he was slightly trolling Orioles fans today when he tweeted two stats about F war that Kevin Gosman leads amongst pitchers and Manny Machado leads among leads amongst hitters, which are two former Orioles draft picks. But I'll leave that up for the the tin the tin foil hats people to uh to figure out if that's well, the conspiracy that's going on. I don't uh, Buster only to me, you know. 
I don't know. I mean, it, it, whatever, like you, maybe he's got a relationship with Messina and he wants to defend him. Maybe he's just going to go holier than thou in terms of his expertise over the Orioles. Orioles also an easy target for mm-hmm. national media. So if you're trying to like, you know, kind of just get people going, it's a pretty easy organization to attack at this point. But like, I don't know who cares. Maybe there's, maybe there's people of a, of a different vintage than us that, are really pissed that Mike Mussina isn't had those other number retired. I've never heard from any of those people. So I don't know if those people exist. Um, and I think that exists because I think there's Orioles fans out there. They're like, screw this guy. He went to the, you know, he went to the evil empire. Like we're not retiring his number. And there's a clear standard for how they retire the numbers. The, is the thing is. is though, the audience that he's tweeting to everyone, everyone is under 25 years old, 30 years old. None of them remember Mussina as an Oriole, you know? Like, sure, there are older people on Twitter who remember, you know, Moose as an Oriole. But half these kids, I mean, half the people tweeting back to him, like L, ratio, ratio, blah, blah, blah. Like, they don't remember. Again, like, they don't care. I don't think they care about Mike Mussina. And, you know, they don't know Mike Mussina as 35. They don't know, you know, they they barely remember remember him as a Yankee. Um, And then, of course, Buster today tweets out some, like, glowing um tweet about Grayson Rodriguez. So it's like again, it's like, is he trying to troll with like is he I, I don't know. I mean it, it was bizarre, but yeah, it's it's also like a bigger debate about how teams determine who gets retired or like okay, for example, the Ravens do the ring of honor. That doesn't mean those numbers are retired. Same thing at Maryland. We honor uniforms in the rafters, but those numbers aren't technically retired. I think I'm hopefully I'm not getting this wrong as somebody that works there, but Steve Blake and Ernie Graham both wore 25. I think that's the crossover. I think it's Ernie Graham. I'm going to get that wrong, but like how we doing back there, but um, like that would be um, like, that would be an example of ones that like that number continues to get worn, mm-hmm. but like no one would wear three because it's Juan Dixon, but it's not retired. It's just, you know, that's like, there's a lot of semantics also become involved there. So, yeah, it's the, the numbers and uniforms and everything like that. It's it's very, it's it's a very touchy subject. And again, people are like, if Moose would have worn, you know, an Orioles on his cap, guess what? It someone who oh who tweeted it uh, Orioles fan problem, tweeted out um, John Heyman thinks the Yankee thinks the Orioles need to take down the statue of a Yankee in front of their ballpark while Buster only wants a statue of an old Yankee inside of the Orioles ballpark, <laughs> which is like, that's, that's it. That's perfect. And if you don't know, that's because John Heyman seemed like dumbfounded that the Orioles like, Oh, what, what was his exact tweet? Something like, why do the Orioles have a statue of Babe Ruth outside? They haven't won since or something like that, which then someone on the Twitter account just responded with the trash can saying that that was <laughs> if I, look, my, my main thing and i like i've said mostly the buster only thing i just find funny at this point but in the moment in saturday morning it's an incredibly exciting thing for adley rushman to be called up the majors and the orioles fans just wanted to enjoy and bask in that moment and he just made the narrative something different he's one of the biggest voices in baseball media for him to like change the narrative and make it not about what it should be about was I think like pretty unprofessional. Like, like what are we the talking other, about? The other part about it is it's not like, 
and and make and changing the narrative on a situation like it's not like this was also localized only for Orioles fans. Like this is the number one prospect in the sport, right? As of right now, in the you know who hasn't t- technically graduated, like MLB Pipeline does their like graduation. He's technically not. He's the number one prospect in the sport. He was the number one pick in the draft, and he was an unbelievable college player. So this guy is not like you know it's not like they're calling up like okay, this is not to demean Ryan Mountcastle, but like the Orioles fans were excited about Ryan Mountcastle, but that's super localized to Orioles fans who like have seen Ryan. I'm trying to think of a guy in the minors that would compare. Like a Kyle, like, like a Kyle Ky- Stowers. Kyle Stowers, that's exactly what I was going to say. Great, great mind meld by us at the same time right there. Like that's someone who comes up, Orioles fans like, oh my God, like this is like an underrated guy. We're excited about him, blah, blah, blah. But like, Adley Russian's the biggest one of the biggest call-ups in the sport this year. The biggest one of the biggest anticipated call-ups, you know, for what he does and who he's been and what he could potentially mean to the Orioles, but also he's the number one prospect in the freaking sport. So, like, that's the other thing, too. Like, if you're, as you said, you know, you're just a if you're a Mariners fan and you're looking at Buster Olney's Twitter, you're probably just like, I mean, Buster will do whatever he wants, but it's like, oh wow, Adley Rushman, like that's you know, I've heard of him, he's the biggest prospect in baseball and then you look oh like i follow the five biggest baseball writers here's buster Olney's tweet oh it's about mike musina like it's just like it's just like kind of petty it's just bizarre mm-hmm. it's just bizarre yeah and, and again i i would and the, the, by the way and this is my actually the thing i had the most problem with the tweet about like the leadership should change the uniform number was so freaking condescending like that sounded like a guy with an axe to grind that just wanted to be condescending to to the leadership of the team and whatever maybe he does maybe he's got a great leadership with michael ass i have no idea but just super bizarre super weird talk about by the way talk about taking away from a guy's moment yeah like everyone was upset about the orioles ruining it for Adley because of the preakness. Like that's a guy taking away from somebody's moment. Like, how much like, do we bring up something from 25 years ago? Mm-hmm. How much do Orioles fans get the national spotlight either? Never. Not Never. since the playoffs. Is, Not this for is our positive. biggest thing in four or five years. Honestly, by the, way, the last time they just... were in the national, the last time the national spotlight was when we picked Adley number one overall. Yeah. And we're talking about <laughs> Mike Lucina. Yeah. So it was just like was other so than debated, getting made fun of, <laughs> just so debated in the early two thousands, and we we went through the gamut on the whole Mike Musina thing. It's old news. It's tired. It's over. Like we moved on. Adley Rutschman, future, future. And again, it seems it seems like, and you said it a couple times, Taylor. Like this is a guy who it seems like, and it's it's well known. He worked in Baltimore. And it seemed like the relationship there, whatever happened, I don't know what it what happened, but it seems like something happened. And, you know, my guess is he said, you know, if there is an easy take to get off or an easy way to, you know, kick a horse while it's down or, you know, or kick a man while it's down, what is it? Beat, beat the dead horse, that one. Maybe, um, maybe Kevin Costner fucked his wife in Baltimore. Maybe. I mean, maybe Costner just went on a streak, but uh, that that's a tie in there too with the streak. That was bad. Um but again, yes. it seemed like something obviously went wrong in Baltimore and he does not have a good relationship with the Angelos or yeah, like you said, I don't know if he's best buddies with Moose or what, but I, I kind of just want Moose to come out now and be like, I don't give a shit. Where, where are the numbers? <laughs> oh dude? my yeah. God. Taylor Swift just quote tweeted the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. I saw it. Wow. What does she think about Mike Messina? It's... She's not focused on Mike Messina. I'll tell you that much. No, it's about the. Oh, I don't. Did you see what Steve Kerr said about the the shooting in Texas today? It was really, I, really I, 
I tweeted it and someone said we don't need to hear what what lib. Uh, oh my god! And I, I I had a full tweet typed out and I had to I had to take it back. I was like I'm not doing this. Incon- incomprehensible tragedy. Yeah, awful. No, yeah. Um, let's pop into the that's that's Steve. If you have not watched Steve Kerr, we won't go into this. This is just not the time or place for it on this podcast specifically. But um, what he said about it was just fantastic. And just the passion he talks with Steve Kerr it seems like just a pretty genuine dude. Um, some quick some quick Ravens things. Some two I would say pretty interesting signings. Brent Urban, Kyle Fuller. Where do you want to start, Banks? You want to start with Fuller or start with Urban? Uh, I guess which we'll go chronological. Like, which, one which one intrigues you more? How about let's just do that. Which one intrigues me more? I mean, I guess Fuller intrigues me more because you had a Pro Bowl caliber player who's kind of fallen a little bit off the last couple of years, but the potential is still there. He's only 30 years old, hometown guy, um, and he fits with – other, you know, these all pro guys. And, and we knew that we needed some cornerback depth. We needed to go get another guy, especially having lost Tavon Young. Um, and he fits the mold. So it's, it's always intriguing when you see a player who's had a, you know, reach near top of the, of the league at his position group. And if that's, that person is still in him, um, you know, we know Brent Urban. He's exciting to me. He's a great dude. Um, he's actually one of the first Ravens who ever followed me like way back in the day. Um, so I've got like a little bit of a rapport with him. Um, tall as hell. We knew we needed some more DN depth. I, he can maybe make some assumptions about like somebody like Derek Wolf, whether he's ever coming back. Um, cause he kind of fills that void, but he, he's a UVA guy who's six foot seven who could potentially block kicks. I mean, you put Kalias Campbell out there and, and Brent urban at the same time, you get those arms in the passing lanes and, you know, you're going to have a tough time seeing downfield or, or finding passing lanes or what have you, or kicking extra points. Um, so, I mean, they're both exciting to me and they, they're both kind of fill some niches that we, we had figured that they were going to fill some quarterback depth with. So, um, between the two, you said who's more intriguing. The answer is probably Fuller, but um, I would say the floor is lower for, for higher rather for Brett Urban. I think that I think they are clearly with the Fuller signing. I guess giving some insurance to the fact that a lot of those pieces that they've drafted and things are pretty young. So you bring in the guy that has clearly shown the ability to get it done. Um, in a variety of ways, which I like, like, as you said, you know, Fuller has shown the ability to play at a pro bowl level, which is if you can find guys that can play anywhere near a pro bowl level in the secondary at this point, in the NFL, you're putting them on your team because of everything we've talked about with where the league is going. Um, they just feel like two very quality veteran additions at this point in free agency. And if you get something out of them, great. If you don't, hopefully your young guys step up and you're fine. Um, that feels like sort of and, – and the Fuller story is cool because he's from Baltimore. I, I think that's that's very cool, and I hope I hope he finds success because I think anytime a guy plays here that's local, like I think about like Terrence West or whatever, um, who I know you love, RDT. Boo. Uh, Boo. Um, or why is his name – or Cyrus Jones or like any time that that stuff happens, um, 
it's always super cool. So I, I hope that like Kyle Fuller, I hope Kyle Fuller is really good. That would be like him, like taking an interception to the house in Baltimore would be sick. It would just be like, there's cool moments that could happen with Kyle Fuller. So I hope that, I hope that goes well, ultimately. 100%. Yeah. I'm, we're, we're kind of checking these boxes little by little. I know that people are antsy about the wide receiver. Maybe that, that comes, maybe it doesn't. I mean, no guarantee, but um, yeah, little by little, we're kind of just checking off the final boxes post. Um, the other thing is it's just that the full, the fuller family continues to just, you know, continues to be in the NFL. There's Vincent somebody Fuller, like Corey banging, Fuller, Kendall like Fuller, banging a drum outside on the streets of Baltimore here. And yeah, but there's a variety of first of all, and I screenshotted it and I started laugh, almost started laughing earlier. You at one point were giving an answer with a straight face with a dog just standing in front of your face. It was mm-hmm. unbelievable. As we were talking about the, you were giving your entire very well reasoned Adley Rushman point with Lil B. <laughs> The pooch just sitting right, and now he is just freaking out of the. Back. He's oh, yeah. become a very prominent part of this podcast. Oh my gosh! Wow, what's the, what's going on out there? So, uh, there? so the thing that gets him going is the unknown. He can't see what he's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exciting stuff hey, here for Buster. the podcast listeners. <laughs> oh, Buster. Yeah, we'll put we'll put banks we'll put banks on mute. We'll put banks on Messina again. Yeah, we'll have we'll, RDT. Any thoughts about Kyle Fuller or Brent Urban? Um, Brett Urban, really tall. I do remember he was one of the first uh, Ravens to follow Banks. Uh, had that block, the the kind of a kick six against uh against the Browns on that. Was that a Monday night game? It With, sure uh, was. Will Hill. Will Hill. Yep, it's a wild ending. Um, he was here and then he wasn't, and now he's back. Um, and yeah, the Fuller family and Mount St. Joe, correct? I believe. Correct. I believe, I believe they went to correct. a variety of schools, but that's the one that Kyle went to. Yeah, yeah, he went to he went to St. Joe. Yeah, it's just like how Chase Young went to Dematha, but he also went to Pilates. Um, Vincent Fuller went to Woodlawn. I'll go through. I will go through all the local high schools. And they went to Good Council. Kendall yeah, went to good yeah, 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 that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Played on those teams. And yeah. um, Corey Fuller also went to Woodlawn. Gotcha. Yeah. So, it, I mean, what an athletic family. It's unbelievable. Yeah, they're decent. I, I just, I mean, they're obviously stocking up at a position that they need depth at where you saw them just get, I mean, dominated by injuries last year. And they're going to try and make sure that doesn't happen again. And they're not just building depth, they're building it with some decent players. I mean, you throw out Marcus, Marcus, um, Marcus Peters, Marlowe. I mean, your safeties, you know, you've added, you've added via the draft and free agency. And then, oh, by the way, you also have Chuck Clark here for the time being. And then, you know, you have Fuller. I mean, that's, it's a hell of a defensive backfield. Trying to figure out what the best alums from each of these three schools were <laughs> as we talked. Jelani Jenkins from uh, Good Council. Stefan Diggs. From yeah, Good I would Council? say Stefan Diggs from Good Council, probably. I'm going yeah. through Mount St. Joe's right now. Mark Deshera, I always forget about that. Yeah. Turf. Probably is Mark. Probably is Mark Deshera. Well, um, I mean, I'm biased towards Stick Smith, but it's not. I mean, if we yeah, have most notable, most notable guys, probably, probably Mark Deshera. Also, apparently an Olympian in the Tom Hannon, Olympic gold medalist swimmer. 
Never heard of him. <laughs> 2000 Olympics. That must be a blind spot for me. Yeah, I can take it. Let's take, let's take a look at good counsel. What's the, who, who's the, would you guys say is the biggest alumnus of your two schools? Greg Murphy, uh, 2012 World Series of Poker no. Champion, Marilyn Terrapin, <laughs> listener of the podcast, soon to be guest of the podcast. I, I believe we had one of the Blowfish. Mm. Of Hootie? Of yep. Hootie's Blowfish? Even though wow. it's not, they're not the Blowfish. Hootie and the Blowfish is just, it covers everyone as a whole. There's, there's not a Hootie and there's not Blowfish. It's, it's all encompassing. So when I say a Blowfish, it's technically incorrect, but. Wow. The guy that played the villain in the Fast and the Furious went to good counsel. How about that? Was that the guy who got the rat put on his belly and then the hot bucket? Here would be my two good count. It's it's probably Diggs. I do think Kyle Snyder, who's an Olympic gold medalist in wrestling, wrestler, yeah, is a very nice a very nice number two. Uh, and you could consider him number one, depending on how much you care about the Olympics. I also always forget James Gist with the good counsel, mm. who I do like. Um, solid, ace, solid group. Ace guitarist for Hootie and the Blowfish, Dean Felber. I think Reservoir is still too young. We just have. Is it yeah. actually Merson for you? That's a good. I mean, great Merson. Yeah, I mean, he won. He won the Let's world. The the I just didn't know if that was you. Just going, going. I didn't know if there's anybody else. I didn't know no, he was. He was Greg there. He also held a bunch of baseball records. I think until pretty recently. Wow, he's really good. We're coming to his season, by the way. We need to get him on, as you said. We're oh, I, when I talked to him, he would. He said he'd love to come on. We'll we'll get All him right. on. Uh Calvert Halls. I mean. I would think it might be Mel Kaipa Jr. I mean, Juan Dixon also very much involved there. Juan does um, not like lettuce and tomato on his uh, Jimmy John stuff. Yeah, as you you Good on to Mr. Dixon the other day. I'll talk more about that later. Mm. Um, we'll roll into our draft here. Um, starting five draft presented by Fed Thrill. Um, you had your Fed thrills on at the Preakness, correct, Banks? If I'm sure not did. The, uh, yes, you did. The Fultons, it's their, their classic. Uh, we call them the rumpus sunglasses. You know, they can get mangled up a little bit, and you don't feel so bad about going back and buying another pair because they're very affordable, especially when you take 20% off with Exit 52 promo code. You also gifted a pair to our friend Mike. He also was wearing the Fed thrills. As I've always right. said, my I have the Fed thrills. My only issue is that they're, I have to get – I can't wear them because of prescriptions. So when I when I actually need to see, when I don't need to see, I'm fine. We, I just need to get some federal with prescriptions. I need to get on that with federal. I don't know if they can do that, but we're, we got to make that happen. So I don't. So I'm repping the right brand. But boy, did you guys look good in those sunglasses? Oh, you guys were the toast of the town in those things. You sure did. Twenty percent off promo code X fifty two. In honor of uh, Mr. Musina, Mr. Olney. Um, we are going to do maybe the most specific draft in the history of the exit 52 podcast. We are going to do the best athletes to ever wear number 35 in this draft and RDT. You have the first pick. I have the second pick. I am amazing. And, (laughs) and banks has the third pick best athletes to wear 35. What a freaking draft this is going to be. Let's get to it. Who do you got number one, RDT? Adley Rutschman. It's very easy. I've I mean, never, that I was mean, not a shocker. What are we doing here? It's pretty simple. We're on, we're on to the next one. 
you do you are aware that he is wearing the number of Mike Messina, who was a prominent former Oriole whose number should be retired. You're fine. Never, never heard of him. Who? Wow. <laughs> wow. I, I like Moose. I don't want to give away picks. I like him. No, no. It would be I funny mean, if he just didn't get picked this entire draft. He may not get picked. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Um, he may not get picked. Okay. Second pick here. Um, this guy does not wear 35 right now, but he has worn 35 during his career. Um, I will say as a fan, I have had an up and down relationship with him at times. Um, but I think I'm back in on him now and taking Kevin Durant. Yeah. It's the right one. I was a giant KD guy in his Oklahoma City days. I wasn't a huge fan of the team up in Golden State. I don't even know what I think of him in Brooklyn, but his game is just his game is just and I, I love the some of the entrepreneurial stuff he does. So props for that. His game is just, I mean, the shot and the things he does at that height. Just I love KD. The Slim Reaper. Thanks. I can't believe you let me get Ricky. I'm taking Ricky Henderson. That's my yeah, guy. Ricky, Ricky Henderson is just not one of my guys. Don't care about him, really. That is such a shame because he is an all-time legend. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, 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 I the, the story stuff, yeah. I haven't gone down a rabbit hole of Ricky Henderson stories in a while, and he wore a lot of different numbers on a lot of different teams. 35 is just one of them. Um, but that's what I'm taking. He wore a lot of 24, obviously. Stole a lot of bases. Stole a lot of bases. That's that's up there with the unbreakables. Yeah, probably true. I that's one hundred percent right. That record will never be broken. Not even close either. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, you're right. I don't think it will be close. He also holds the record for most runs in baseball history, and I don't think that that record gets the respect that it should. It's literally the objective of the game. Speaking of, Mike Trout just got his thousand. I just say I, I think part of it is that everyone is so obsessed with the stolen brace record because it's just such a ridiculous number that I think people just forget about the runs record. I think that's really what it is. I think that if think if that's another player, it just he the stolen base thing just over over um I can't even think of the word overshadows it. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, no, I get that, but I just but like, you're right. No, I agree general. with you. It's an amazing. You're right. The goal is to get on base and get around and touch home plate again. <laughs> Yeah, and that's do you know who has the most RBIs? Like, because I feel like that's close to or equally as cool a record. It Hank, it's Hank Aaron. Yeah, Yeah, it's Hank Aaron. Yeah, it's just a just a record that people should talk about more. I think. Yeah, baseball's so record oriented, but um, I mean, we grew up in such a home run culture, rightfully so. Anyways, speak stolen stolen bases are it's it's such like a sexy record too, like being just straight up being faster. Oh, swiping third just. Plucking the base right out of the ground is yeah. such an all-time move. It's <laughs> holding it up. Did we do a celebrations draft? Because that should have maybe been taken. I don't know if we have. Put that in the tickler file. Uh, okay. We'll uh, speaking of dingers, I'm taking the big hurt. Yeah, good pick. Yeah, I love Frank Thomas. It's hard not to. He's, he, he's got a great smile, too. He's a good analyst. Um, I like him on know, TV. For what he does. Yeah, he's on. He's good on TV. Good um, pitch, man. He's good on those uh, – what are they, Nutrigenics or whatever commercials? Those, those commercials are very bizarre, but he has a pretty good job. Uh, yeah, no, the Big Hurt. He was uh, – I don't know what Game Boy game it was, but they're big, one of the first ones I've had. Was it, I think it was just Big Hurt Baseball. Yeah. Yep, I had uh, it. It's a great Game Boy game. Um, 
And he obviously was just absolutely unstoppable in it. So he was just like one of the very first like untouchable video game characters that I, I kind of grew up with. Yeah. And and probably historically doesn't get talk about not getting enough respect. Like he was, I just don't think he gets talked about enough. And I know being an analyst gets him there. Like he's like a two time MVP. Oh yeah. Find the home run numbers, 521 homers. Like, and also like was a essentially played for the same team guy, which I love a played for the same team guy. Um, amazingly, you want to hear the most amazing Frank Thomas stat to me? Only a five-time All-Star. Wow. That almost makes no sense. No. Based on the fact that he was in the top ten of MVP voting, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven times. Only a five-time All-Star. Bizarre stat. He was um, good enough to have his number retired by the Chicago White Sox in 2010. All-Famer. Good pick. Um, all right. I'm coming back around here. Number of places I could go, but this one just intrigued me when I was looking at the different lists. Um, I'm taking one of the most famous baseball players of all time. I'm taking Tommy John. Guy's got a surgery named after him. Idea that popped into my head while we we're talking about Frank Thomas and you saying this is great too. We should do a draft of two first name guys. I thought you were going to say sports injuries. <laughs> yeah. You could do sports injuries too. God, yeah. I love ACL tears. Um, <laughs> Huge ACL guy. God, when there's Achilles pop, I just oh, – I'm, so I'm more of a PCL, but – Little little sports hernia. God. <laughs> I'll tell you what, when you get the odd compound fracture, uh, it just really, turf, just really gets toe, me going. First round grade on that. Don't, don't get me talking on a high ankle sprain. Uh, <laughs> oh Hockey God. playoff. <laughs> See ya. See ya. Good pick, though, Tommy John. I had him on mine. Tommy John. I mean, also one of the most successful sports surgeries. Everyone just seems to get stronger after Tommy John. <laughs> it's amazing. What yeah. a surgery. Not everybody. That's I may, I may get it, say. I think. Just go in there and get it. Go in there well. and get it. Um, shout, out, shout out to Tommy John, who also had a hell of a career. Also had a hell of a career. 288 wins. Four-time All-Star. Indiana native. Tommy John. RDT get to give me turf toe. This is a tough one. Well, not a tough one. This, this, this guy is arguably, and again, you can put him in. There's three guys that I think you could pick as the best pitcher of our generation. Justin Verlander. Um, I think you can yeah. make, you could make a, an, an, an argument for him. Scherzer Kershaw, any of those guys, I think I could be swayed. I think I'm gonna lean Scherzer, but again, I think if someone said Verlander, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, be shocked. What about Mike Mussina, even though he didn't play in this era? Who? Mm. Yeah, I mean Verlander, you also get Kate Upton there too, which is a nice, nice, which you is do. a nice pick. Yeah, absolutely do. You also get game one of uh AL. Did he pitch game one of ALDS? Uh he pitched game two. Scherzer, uh, Scherzer, yeah, Scherzer pitched, pitched game, game one. one. Yeah, he went deep into the game pretty well, and then we just like touched him up in the seventh for like a seventh mm-hmm. spot. Yeah, and then and then floodgates open. But um, yeah, again, I mean, he's 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 a Hall of Fame pitcher. How many no hitters? Three. I think he's three. Does he have three? three? I think he has three. I I don't know. Pretty that impressive in the, in the. He at least has two. Modern era. 
Um, but again, I mean, he's one of the most accomplished uh, pitchers of our generation. MVP, I believe, too. Cy Young's, you know, galore. So, yeah, Verlander, Verlander with 35. And then I'm going to go one of the most exciting pitchers we've ever seen in our generation, Dontrell Willis. Also a pretty good analyst. Calculated yeah. risk to not take him. I thought I, I thought about taking him in the second round. I I can't throw lefty. I can barely throw white righty, whitey, righty. Um, but when I used to try and do his windup and throw lefty, that was his windup was. I mean, that was awesome when you'd mm-hmm. see it. And he, I mean, when he came in with his hat crooked and he was just chucking it. He was. I mean, he was really really good too for for a decent amount of time. He was a lot of fun to watch again. He, I mean, those, those Marlins teams he was on. And then obviously he gets moved in uh, the Miguel Cabrera trade, I believe. Um, yeah. I mean, he was fun. He was great to watch. And, and like Taylor, he said, he's, he's, uh, he's become a really good analyst. And I like that. He's kind of like in the spotlight and he's, you know, he's not hidden. They're not like hiding in places. I think he's like pretty, he's out there. Um, and people forget he signed uh, with the Orioles, I think in 2012 and then refused to report to uh, Norfolk. So, <laughs> The 2012 team, they could have been, they could have been even better. You know, could you imagine that team if they would have had Dontrell Willis, Lou Ford, Randy Wolf, Jim Tomey, all those guys? That would have been pretty ridiculous. That would have been. By the way, I will say, like a Dontrell Willis Orioles jersey would have looked fire. What would what would they have said if he wore 35? Probably nothing. Probably nothing. If, all, if only we'd had the opportunity to see what would have happened. Well, we do know that he got taken in a draft of guys who wore 35 before Mike Messina. So. Good. Um, this is, I feel like it's a pretty easy pick. I'm actually really happy to get him at this point in the draft. And I think he's probably slipped because he's not on any of the lists we've looked at. Uh, I'm taking Lonnie Baxter. Oh, oh baby, baby. man. Incredible value at this point in the draft. He was I mean, right there on my crosshairs. Yeah. Gotta take I Lonnie. didn't really expect him to get past you. I would say at this point, he's a little historically underrated as a Maryland player. I think that like in the 0201 type of range, Juan is obviously the headliner. You know, Wilcox gets the headlines because of the athleticism, Steve Blake, because I think, you know, the grittiness, the assists, and he connects with the fan base. And Mouton was kind of the personality glue guy. And Lonnie gets lost as like, you know, not like an exciting player from a style standpoint, but boy, did that guy get buckets and get rebounds. It was like a six, eight power forward with limited athleticism. Um, just a sensational college player, played a couple of years in the NBA, was back this year for our O2 reunion. But I mean, he's a giant cog in the two best seasons of Maryland basketball history. M- so. MV- MVP of the final four. He <laughs> was a two time regional, most valuable player, which only like, Two other people have done like Bill Walton's done it. Like, I mean, that's 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 and that's what that's what people don't remember. Everyone just mm-hmm. assumes like Juan was the MOP of the two regionals. If he um, if he didn't get robbed in a certain game, we might be back to back champs. So, yeah, yeah, true. Don't forget true. that LB. I always thought it was funny. He just had LB, just a yeah. very little LB <laughs> tattoo on his shoulder. <laughs> it's like he just like wanted to get a tat, and he was like, well, I guess I'll just put my initials on my shoulder. I saw him walking on the concourse of a Maryland game once. I think it was like North Florida or something like that. 
we were maybe like 15 to 20 feet behind him. And uh, obviously he's massive. And I just go, Lonnie. And he doesn't even break stride. He just throws his hand up like that. Doesn't turn around or anything. Just throws his hand up and keeps walking. I was like, I that's awesome. Got to respect it. Then he fired that gun near the white house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah weird a, story there. That was a weird one. <laughs> Very weird, weird story. At, at one point, Steve, Steve Blake, Lonnie Baxter and Juan Dixon were all on the same wizards team. What a weird organization. The wizards are. <laughs> <laughs> That's just so yeah. bizarre. Um, Bags get two. I'm gonna take Joe Morgan. Mm, talk about another analyst. Yeah, big TV guy. Um, Was an analyst. Oh come on! I'm just saying. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We talked about him when he passed last year. Yes, we did. It was tough. Uh, greatest job. Love love talking ball. He knows ball. New ball. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Joe Morgan, another another two first name guy. <laughs> great, uh, great, very underrated batting stance too. The chicken wing. Yeah, he's just flapping yeah. it back. A lot of two first name guys here. Joe Morgan, Lonnie Baxter, Tommy John, Lonnie Baxter, Frank Thomas. Are all thirty five? Ricky Henderson, kind of a borderline one, but. There's Henderson, Andre Willis. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> Willis Reed, <laughs> Willis McGahey. That's unbelievable. This is all right. We're on to something here. <laughs> the only ones that aren't are Kevin Durant and Natalie Rutschman, and Justin Verlander. You're, you're gonna love uh, this pick. You're gonna love this pick. Oh, here we go. Oh, uh, go ahead. Beep beep. Gus Edwards. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh yeah. That's the pick right there, fourth rounder, Gus Edwards. He's the boss, Baltimore guy through and through. Coming for a big comeback year. Excited to see him. Got some disrespect I saw in some fantasy football rankings uh, this past uh, week, but he'll be out there. We love the boss. Love the boss. I mean, fuck it. Let's keep it going. I'm taking Dave Neal. (laughs) Talk about the mayor of College Park. The mayor. Oh, what? Yeah. What? What are you talking no, no, no. about? Are you? You are confused, sir. Remember Will Bowers? Whoa, 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 I can't remember. Whoa. I hated one of them. You hate Will, Will Bowers. Bowers was a seven footer. You hate Will Bowers. Dave, Dave Neal's the anti Will Bowers. Dave Neal was just the, put the Nolan the, Smith on the ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was Will Bowers. Fuck Will Bowers. All my friends hate Will Bowers. Okay. I mean, <laughs> that would have been one of the worst. That may have been. The worst take in the history of the podcast, if that was, and we have had some bad ones on here. I know all my, three of us. My but friend's sister one, lived on. Uh, I don't know what that was about. I was about to lose. You sh- the, I wish we should put these things on YouTube. The the looks on me and Banks's <laughs> face were just downright stunned. My my friend's sister lived a couple doors down from Will Bowers in the varsity, I think. And she was like, his door used to get egged like every other night. <laughs> it was just like you would hear just like, thump, thump, and then just like feet running away. It's like, yeah, sucks to suck, <laughs> suck, Will. Could not have been well liked. But Dave Neal, the mayor. Unbelievable. Oh, we're going to get a little beef freak out apparently here, potentially. We just calm yourselves as the listeners for yeah. a lot of barking. Mama's, mama's home. Um, an incredible, an incredible um, career Dave Neal put together for himself as a guy that just looked like a very limited Division One college basketball player, but could shoot a little bit, was physical, and just was a glue guy. Got it done. 
Love Dave Neal. Love Dave Neal. Big Gary guy, too. Huge Gary guy. You think about just, like, players who embodied a Gary Williams type of player, like Dave Neal's one. Unheralded. You know. God, I love Dave Neal. I love the Terps. RDT. Um, These are my last two, right? Yes. Not unless you want to take Will Bowers. I will go... (laughs) Hakeem Olajuwon, who wore 35 for a year at Houston in college. Oh, that's so borderline. Reach. What do you mean? He wore it for a year. He's not known by 35. Yeah, but he wore it for a I'll year. I'll let you take that's it, weak. but I, the, 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 the listeners will judge you correctly on that. Half these listeners don't know who Hakeem Olajuwon is. They can go find out. <laughs> And it, yeah, and he'll be wearing 34 in all his pictures, except for yeah, every single photo. <laughs> no, there's one I think of him versus like Ralph Sampson, and he's in 35. So I was like, all right, that's a famous picture. I'll take it. Um, my next one, uh, I could go. I could really. I've made some bad pick. Oh, I'm not going to do that. No, do it. Do it. Uh, Rich Aurelia. <laughs> We're going Rich Aurelia. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm not even gonna look up. I'm not gonna look up his numbers. I'm sure he did fine in the uh, World Series for the Giants. <laughs> Hell of a player, very good player. Richard Aurelia for the Giants. I did it's it. Just I'm going awesome, with Richard Aurelia. Just a name drop. Those are my two. Oh my God! I'm trying to find. I'm trying so, to find an. Sorry if your board's here. messed up because Richard Aurelia is off of it now. Yeah, geez. I'm trying <laughs> to don't find know where an, to go. I'm trying to find an interesting pick at the end here. And I should have looked this up before. This just came to my head in the middle of the draft. Who did it? Hold on. I'm going to be a little bit annoying and take some time here. Um, who drew, oh, that is. Hold on. Rich Aurelia. Wow. Told me to do it. I did it. Yes. Okay. I thought this was right, and I got it right. Tremendous. I'm taking NASCAR driver Todd Bodine, who used to drive the number Ooh. 35 Tabasco car. I remember that name. If you remember way back in the day. It's a ridiculous-looking car, and uh, I was hoping it was 35. I remember it as 35, and it is 35. So what I'm did it sound Todd, like on, on Rev It Up? Todd Bodine. Oh, my God. Crank it up. The greatest thing in sports TV. <laughs> you got to pump it up. Pump it up. You know, pump. We, had, we were pumping it up on Saturday. Um. Yeah, I'm taking Todd Bodine. None of the. I mean, none of these other guys seem that interesting. So I'll take a NASCAR guy. So perfect. That's a big number sport. I would. This would actually be. Let me tell you what. I thought this was going to be a boring draft. We may have to do more like more of these. This is kind of fun. I like this. Finish it off, Banks. I'm going to take. 2010 NBA All-Star Chris Kamen. Oh, that he, was the, the other guy, guy I was going to go in between. <laughs> yeah, me too. I was also in between him too. I was also mm-hmm. one of the all-time does not look like an NBA player, NBA players. NBA Unbelievable All-Star. that he was an All-Star. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. There are some NBA All-Stars you go look back on and you're like, I'm sure it's the same in every sport, but NBA just specifically because there's so few All-Stars, so it's so glaring who the All-Stars are. He's the ultimate, like, you look at the I picture. Went, and it's, when I was which, watching the dozen today, I could I totally forgot Jeff Teague was an NBA All-Star. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hmm. So he, came in when, that which, which one of these is not like the other in that picture? When do you oh. think Chris Kamen got 
drafted in terms of like spot overall and out of what school was he minnesota he got drafted in the top seven like he got drafted by the clippers or somebody at like i want to say like four i was gonna say seven sixth overall in 2000 yeah it was in that range that like mid 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 top 10 and oh my god the school i used to know this I don't remember. I don't even have a good guess. Uh, Eric wasn't that far off, to be honest. What did he say? Minnesota is a Big Ten school? He screams Wisconsin. He's not Wisconsin. It's but he's not, Wisconsin. not that big of a school. It's not a Big Ten school? It's not a Big Ten school. But it's or a Midwest Wyoming? school? Wyoming? No, it is a Mac school. Oh, Miami not, of Ohio? On Miami of Ohio. I'm trying to view. Bowling Green. It's a 2003 draft. So I'm also trying to find oh, oh, the draft oh, picture. Western Michigan. Yeah. Central Michigan. Oh, mm. yeah. damn it! God, yeah, he, he I'm just like he would wear those colors. Yeah, he does. <sighs> he really does. Guess he's a Chippewa. Him, Antonio Brown, JJ Watt for a semester, and. Corey yeah, Davis. Chris Kamen and Antonio Brown. What a combo. Yeah, what a party. We have one on one, two combo. They, that Good is Lord. <laughs> the infamous picture of everybody in their suits from that draft. He's got his eyes closed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's amazing. Crazy. He was it's amazing he was in the 03 draft. He's he's right behind Kirk Heinrich. <laughs> what a draft. Top 10. LeBron, Darko, Carmelo, Chris Bosch, D Wade, Chris Kamen, Kirk Heinrich. The great TJ Ford, Michael mm. Sweetney, who nobody Ooh, remembers, yeah. went to Georgetown. Mm-hmm. Jarvis Hayes by the Wizards, always the legend. Wizards somebody legend, that's not very good. great. What a great name, Michael Sweetney. Michael Michael M- Michael Petrus, who played in the league for way longer than anybody remembers. French guy, Nick Collison, Nick Collison, mm. monster at Kansas. Marcus Banks, Luke Ridnour, David West taking eighteenth. Luke Ridnour was that long ago. Yeah. Feel oh, old, huh? Do you remember do you remember Wale's line about Luke Ridnour? No. I don't. I turned ducks into bucks Luke Ridnour. I thought that was the coolest line I've ever heard in my life and I still That's very good. The Wale line. has some really good sports lines. Josh Howard in that draft, Mo Williams in that draft, Kyle Kyle Corver in that draft, Steve Blake in that draft. Yet <laughs> The Wizards took Steve Blake and Jarvis Hayes. What a draft. Steve Blake also played in the NBA for way longer than anybody remembers. Best athletes to wear number 35. RDT took Adley. Uh, by the way, Adley is never going to get called Rutschman. He's just going to be called Adley for the rest of time. Um, Justin Verlander, Dontro Willis, Hakeem Olajuwon, which is, I mean, your last two picks are horrible. And Rich Aurelia. You told uh, I had to go Rich Aurelia. I had to. I took Kevin Durant, Tommy John, Lonnie Baxter, Dave Neal, and Todd Bodine, what a draft that is. <laughs> Banks took Ricky Anderson, Frank Thomas, Joe Morgan, the Gus Bus, and Mr. Christopher Kamen. I mean, we all had the kind of the same honorable mentions probably here. Um, Brandon Crawford, Mike Messina. Yeah, Mike Messina. Doug uh, Christie. I didn't have him on my board. Aeneas Williams. I actually almost took Mike Tolbert. I thought about that too. Um, um Everyone's had him on their fantasy team. What about taking Phil Necro because knuckleballs are better than knuckle curves? Mm-hmm. 
Mm. <laughs> Roger <laughs> Maris. I just love how I just I just become a shit on Mike Mussina guy. But like you like Mike Mussina, don't you? Yeah, he's fine. He's yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, also, Hideki Matsui. Yeah, I had uh, Earl Campbell with the Saints. Worth thirty five. Hmm. Earl Campbell with the Saints. Yeah, because he we was thirty four with the Oilers. We probably missed a bunch. I totally forgot. I just totally forgot to look at college players till the middle of the draft. And I was like, I need to look at, I need to take Lonnie Baxter. <laughs> I just totally forgot about him. I literally Cole. Googled best NCAA players to wear 35 and nothing popped up. Cole Hamels. Yeah, Cole Hamels. My man. buddy, uh, we had a project in high school for chemistry where, you know, moles 6.022 times 10 to the 23rd. Um, we had to create moles and make a theme on it. And my buddy made mole Hamels. It was sweet. <laughs> Um, Mike Richter, American. Uh, yeah. Phil Esposito, right? No? Yeah. 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 I think that sounds right. Ekaterine. A lot of good hockey Mike ones. Richter. It's a, it's a, I think JSG. It's a, it's a good, pretty good uh, number. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good goalie number for sure. It's a good pitcher number two. Especially for a guy like Phil Meeker can throw a nasty knuckleball. Gus Edwards wears it. It's a bad running back number, in my opinion. Mm, it's a good power back number. I was going to say it's a guy good yeah. like who Holder runs between the tackles. Yeah, fair. You don't want to see 35. And I love the in. bus. That's By the way, that's not me going after the bus. Yeah, the bus. 35, you don't want to see catching balls out of the backfield. You want to see him running between the tackles, get downhill and vertical on guys, sticking his nose out, having a nose at goal line. That's a, that's a 35 to me. Can I tell you Justice Hill's biggest problem? He's got to not wear 43. 43 stinks. You cannot be stick. a guy catching balls out of the backfield wearing 43. There's a that's, a, that's a nickel back. Changed. Did he change? I don't know. I feel like he that would have been really smart if he did. Because I just don't think it's ever happening with him for 43. And if it does, I'll apologize to him. <laughs> Still wearing 43. Mm. J.K. Dobbs is 27. Perfect. Perfect. There's a Perfect. player on Murray State basketball whose name is Justice Hill. Ben Mason, 38. Perfect. I'm a Mason. I am amazing. <laughs> Tyler Batty, 30, like that. Bernard. By the way, we are not sponsored by the Masons, just to, <laughs> just to put that out there. They're not giving us anything. It's just straight inside joke stuff no. here. Willing to discuss, though. Yeah, we get. Yeah, I mean, if they've got, I mean, if we, we have a price. We'll see what it is for the Masons. We got uh, any other honorable, any other honorable mentions? Well, I am a Mason, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's Nick all I got. Nick Hadley, Maryland person of the week. Thanks, Bugs. I love Monk Club. I love Preakness. Fantastic time. Uh, love chatting with uh, with the listeners out there too. I met, ran into a handful of them. It's it's kind of a cool thing um, to just be recognized for the podcast and not for Barstool because this is something that we've kind of built on our own. Um, to some degree, it's built off the back of that Barstool brand type thing, but it's it's cool to have people say that they listen to the podcast, not necessarily read the blogs on a very popular website. It's, it, it says a lot about just like progress and the, the work that we've put in on the podcast, and I think that we've got a lot of potential to make it something more. So thank you to everybody who said, hey, and I'm glad we could have a beer. Yeah, I stayed incognito from our listeners with my bucket hat and sunglasses. <laughs> I've never worn a bucket hat for that long in my life, but God, was it necessary. Shout out Brigance Brigade. But yeah, that was very cool. Yeah, shout out to the Brigance Brigade. Yeah, I was, you know, 
research ALS. Um, yeah, I was, that was a, that hat was key. You know, it was cool. Yeah. People were shouting you out and asking for your, for your picks. And that was, uh, that was cool. And yes, as you said, and RDT, I think talked about it last week, running into people at pickles. It's like any listeners make sure to come up and like say, Hey, if you ever, wherever around anywhere, it's like very, very fun to like talk to everybody. Um, RDT. Um, I'm just going to take my entire weekend as a whole. Friday night started out at the Orioles game because I thought it was going to be Adelie's debut. I uh, went to the game, met up with a friend of the podcast, Johnny Minadakis, co-owner of Jimmy's Seafood, ended up in a box, up in the box with them, with uh, me, Johnny, Will Demps, uh, Armando Baycott, who is every inch of 6'10". And he is a that, huge dude. I mean, the picture of him and I next to each other are was something. I need I need to stop standing next to tall people. But again, um, was there? We watched the game in, in the box. Uh, thank you again to Johnny for that. That was fun because Armando threw out the first pitch. And I don't know if you guys saw. Um, J- they put up a video of Armando and Trey on the field beforehand. Armando makes Trey look like a child. It was it was shocking how how big he is. Um, especially when you're around him and shout out to the kid who was in our booth too, with the other Orioles people who, um, was wearing a Duke pullover, like quarter zip. It's like 85 degrees. And he just happens to be in a box with North Carolina's best player and was wearing a Duke quarter zip. (laughs) Tough scene. (laughs) Cool. Um, and then, um, got to watch Rugnet Odor walk it off with that home run. That was a lot of fun. And then obviously, oh, and then, uh, Friday I also saw Ian Rappaport randomly walking around, the concourse at the Orioles game tweeted to him. He, for some reason, tweeted back to me with 3.4 million followers. Um, very strange, but I guess I forgot that he was in town for the Preakness. I, <laughs> I didn't know why he was in town, and then it just dawned on me that he was going to the Preakness. So it was kind of cool to see him and his family. I didn't want to, he was with them, so I didn't want to like dick around with him or, or say anything. Um, and Saturday was Adley Day. I got a lot of DMs and tweets saying congrats to me for something I didn't do and had nothing to do with. So that was kind of funny. Um, had a lot of fun at pickles. And like you said, a lot of people recognizing me and, you know, from the podcast and stuff like that, a lot, a lot of banks. I'm with you. There's a lot more like, Hey, we listen to the pod. I love the starting, not, you know, starting fives and, and love everything you guys are doing. So that's always fun. Um, and then Sunday when my softball got canceled and I went to Jimmy John's and was in front of Juan Dixon and nearly passed out when I turned around and saw it was him. That was one of the coolest things. And I did name drop our friend Marty. Shout out Marty and Taylor. He said, that name sounds familiar. He do Maryland stuff. And I said, he does hear the turtle. And he's like, that's right. And then he said, excuse I'll take me. That. I didn't want lettuce and tomato on that. And they said, no, but you asked for it. And he said, no, I said, no lettuce and tomato. <laughs> so I said, all right, I'll let you go. <laughs> I'll let no you salt go. on the margarita. I legitimately can- told him, I think, four times that I loved him and thanked him for the championship and that he was my hero. Yeah, and you that bought a whacker too. We all now have a good Juan Dixon story. I have two of them. One that that I think the time we interacted the most, besides the time that he would like come by our office and like say hi. So we interacted a few times, but I was wearing a Testudo suit for a video we were doing, and before it there was music on and I was dancing, and it, I just stopped dancing at one point, and Juan just said, "Dance, Taylor, dance." I think I still have the video. We may have to put that out on the on the, on the Twitter account. It's ridiculous. Um, I was like, oh, my God, Juan Dixon is telling me to dance. My hero. 
Um, and then I also, when I was a student and I interned, I didn't like think I would be, you know, working at Maryland for as long as I have and have the opportunity to meet all these people that were literally my role models and heroes. So one day this was like at one of the games and you're not like supposed to, as an intern, like go up to people like that and do whatever. But I was like, I do not give a shit. I am going to say hi to Juan Dixon. And I like went up to him and I was like, Hey, like you went to Calvert hall, you went to Maryland. You're like my hero. He was like super nice about it. But, and then he was commanding me to dance like three years later. So it worked out well. That's, I mean, that's exactly what I like when I was standing in front of him, I like, I could tell the guy behind me was taller, you know, just by like my peripherals. And then when I turned around and saw it was him, I was like, oh my God. And that's when I was like, I don't care if I'm in the middle of this Jimmy John's, I have to introduce myself and like talk to him. I was like, I have to. And then the other guy, I looked over and there was another guy in there with his family and he was wearing a Maryland lacrosse shirt. So I was like, shit, if I say something, is he going to like recognize him? And then that guy's going to say hi to him. And like, all he wanted to do was get a sub and get out of there. But I was like, I don't care. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I have to, I have to introduce myself. So shout out to Jimmy Johns. I was like, white the first time like i was like went like stone cold pale i was like so nervous my friend anna was like you have to you have to you have to i was like i need to do this you're like she was like you have to go you have to go i'll never forget it i mean i legitimately was shaking you graduate and you graduated with them banks i did uh so apparently juan did not i could be wrong in this maybe it was a graduate degree but i'm pretty sure he did not graduate from maryland when he finished in 2002 03 um he obviously went to the NBA and made millions of dollars and did that whole thing. Um, but I guess whenever he came back to what helped Turgeon was yeah, he was like a special assistant yeah, coach, yeah. That whatever he was taking his classes to finish up and get his degree. So he finished in December 2013, um, which is when I graduated from Maryland. So my graduation day, you know, everybody kind of makes their way down after their ceremony to the M circle to get the photos and the caps and gowns or whatever. And, just happened to go to take my photo at the same time Juan Dixon was going to take his photo. So I just said, Hey, you know, Hey, Juan Dixon, do you want to just take a photo here at the end circle on graduation day? And I, so I got a photo of me and a buddy with Juan Dixon at the end circle on my graduation day. So that was pretty sweet. That's a great cool. photo. That's I would love to have that photo. You want, um, you, you want his, the picture of him? Oh, I yeah, can I want send a photo it to myself. You. No, I want it up banks. Oh, I, I thought you meant you know. want the picture. I need to, I wish you guys had taken a, you should get to take a photo of Jimmy John's. I could just put your, you know, I need to remember you just guys. Just realizing I'm wearing my O2 shorts right now. Mm. I so thought about Anna, it. Anna, 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 Maryland pullover. You're fully turped out today. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got my Peter Millar, Maryland QZ. I have no, no, I do have, I have Maryland sweatpants on um, and a big booty mix sweatshirt. Um, my, speaking of Maryland, my Nick Cannon Bradley Maryland person of the week. Someone tweeted at us. Uh, hold on, I have it in front of me. I think maybe. Um, Brandon at Marlin underscore Brando, pretty good Twitter handle. Uh, asked us to give some lax coverage on the podcast this week, so this is the opportunity I will take to give you said lax coverage. Um, two Maryland lacrosse teams in the final four this weekend. The women play Boston College on Friday night, and the men play Princeton in a battle of the Smice. Um, my dad went to Princeton and played lacrosse there. So that will be an inner house matchup specifically about the Maryland men. They have the chance to be considered one of the best teams in the history of the sport. Should they win the title this weekend, which is not, which is not an insignificant fact. They could be the first lacrosse team that goes 18 and 0 
And they are an absolute wagon in every sense of the word. They blow everybody out. They do it with unbelievable style. Like the offense is super fun to watch. They play incredible defense. They play up and down in transition. They play with pace. They're just sensational to watch. Um, and the women are obviously very good to it. They're the numbers you see, you know, UNC, maybe because they're the favorite, but Terps are right there, have a really good chance. But um, we like to refer to College Park as the lax capital of the world, and it is certainly becoming that um, in the next five or six days. So shout out to both of those teams. Um, for a little context for the non-lacrosse people, there's like an 06 Virginia team that went undefeated. There's some, you know, the last like 30 years, there's the team with the gates with Syracuse, like late eighties, early nineties. And there's some Princeton teams in the nineties. They're all kind of in this conversation, but this Maryland team is, you know, one of the best college lacrosse teams the last 25, 30 years. So make sure to watch them Saturday, Monday, women, Friday, Sunday, should they win the semifinal games. And then my final Maryland shout out would be to um, the Maryland baseball. Okay. Uh, my guy, Rob Vaughn, Matt Swope, Anthony Papio, Mike Morrison, um, just an unbelievable job by the staff. Um, Maryland baseball has really no history for the most part. That sounds really harsh, but um, there's the two super regionals in 1415 and a tournament appearance in 2017 and last year. And then before that, it's really like three tournament appearances in the sixties and early seventies and one conference title in the thirties. And that's essentially it from a success standpoint. There have been like players that have come out that have been good from a team success standpoint. That is it. And what those guys have done to be 44 and 10, to be number three in the RPI, number three, Tennessee, Oregon state, Maryland. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's impossible in the big 10, especially yeah, which is down this year. Anyway, top 10 in the human polls, which they probably deserve for a couple of weeks, but they finally like, you know, kind of rolled some wins, you know, against Rutgers, who was considered the second best team in the big 10 and then Michigan, a team that has a lot of cash in nationally. So they were in the national championship um, a couple of years ago. Their offense is spectacular, just spectacular, one through nine. Um, and they have three super dynamic starting pitchers. They've got a real chance to make Omaha. What they have a really good chance to do, the best chance to do, is they're going to host a regional in College Park. I, that's not me like saying that with any knowledge, but that's just what's about to happen. That is going to be electric. If you have nothing to do the weekend after Memorial Day, not even if you have the douche put aside everything you're doing to do this and you like want to see a really cool baseball atmosphere. I think the atmosphere that's going to happen in college park is going to be awesome. So I hope that people go down there. The games will be like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, depending on how it goes. I would imagine we will play like late afternoon or evening Friday and then play an afternoon game Saturday. Going to be awesome at the, you know, Bob Thurston stadium. Most people, I guess that went to Maryland know to Shipley field. Um, it's going to be, I think it's going to be raucous and rowdy and really cool. And people should do that. And I just cannot be happy. I I've talked about it on the show, but I've worked with, I worked with Maryland baseball for a long time, um, especially with this staff. Most of the members that didn't work with, with Mo, but with Pap and Swoper, and we're going to try to get Swope on the pod next week and Rob and those guys are freaking all class all the time. They do everything the right way and they deserve all the success. And so do the players who are all very good guys as well. Um, so I'm just super happy for those guys. I was freaking fired up on Friday for that whole thing. And I hope that they roll. They're playing in the Big Ten tournament this weekend in Omaha. That all those games will be on BTN. Um, hope they roll through that thing. National seed and like a trip to Omaha for Maryland baseball. I cannot, I cannot emphasize enough how crazy that would be considering the context of what that program has been and the facilities that it has. And 
just the fact that there just been very few times it's been relevant nationally in college baseball. It would be an unbelievable accomplishment. So no matter how far they've go, that they've already done. I know they have way more work to do here, but what they've already done has been incredible. So I just want to shout those most wins in program history. Just want to shout those guys out with a pretty big little speech here because I just respect what they've done. And I was happy to be a little bit on the ground floor of watching it. I didn't do anything. I was tweeting and doing PR, but um, they put in a hell of a culture. They're doing a great job. So shout out to those guys. Those are my, the, th- the terms are rolling here in the spring. It's been fun to watch. Well said, I'm excited about it. And if they go to Omaha, like it's Moscow for me. Moscow, Moscow, Moscow. Yeah. If you've never been, so I've never been for the college world series. I said, I would only go if we made it, but even for the big tournament, it's just a cool city. Like Omaha does not get enough credit for like, like if you go for this, you know, three or four days, of the college world series, like there's bars, there's good restaurants. Like it sounds like it's just like in the middle of nowhere. And it is like, there's nothing outside of it, but in terms of the city, like there's like fun bars to go to and everything's walkable. If you're sitting in a hotel, like downtown by what's now, it used to be TD Ameritrade park. Now Charles Field. Uh, the zoo is pretty incredible. If you like need something to do. So love Omaha. Like if the tourists make it, you're a Maryland alum and you're looking, you've, you know, care at all about baseball college world series is a really cool experience. And like going and watching, you know, everyone that's set, everyone that's gone set is amazing. And we've, I've enjoyed all my times there for the Big Ten term. So I would agree. Must go. I will travel, obviously, with the team if we go. But I would say, like, any, like, RDT, you would love it if you could make it out there. Like, it's really, really cool. Cool baseball I'll have to environment. start driving now because the plane thing. Oh, yeah, that's right. God. You know, it'd be a great podcast thing if the, if the Terps made it to the College World Series. You guys road tripping to Omaha. I literally looked it up 30 seconds ago, 16 hours, 41 minutes. Right, that's nothing. Yeah, that's not that's that bad. 16 big booty mixes? It's a great yeah. point. Sign me up. Got a nice, like... Can you imagine driving through that, just listening to 16 consecutive big booty mixes? That'd be hype. Chicago's yeah. probably nine miles sleep. or nine, ten Yeah, what do you drive now? through? How? What's the route that it takes you through? Uh, I mean, it's right through where you go through all the cities. I mean, you go past Pittsburgh, Cleveland, South Bend, Chicago, Davenport. Heck, I could, I got people in Davenport um, that we could post up at, you know. You might be the first person that's ever said that. (laughs) Quad cities? I mean, come on. Put some respect on Davenport's name. Sure. Right on the Mississippi. I... I think like if I wasn't working for Maryland, I would go. Can you name like I'm going because I no, (laughs) definitely can't. (laughs) Definitely can't. Would be sick. Yeah, you guys should think about that. It's uh, putting the horse before the cart. Is that the saying? Yeah. So we gotta win some baseball games, boys. Got it. Yeah, we gotta win some baseball games before that. But man. This is an like if you haven't gotten into it, if you care at all, you just need like something to follow. They're fun. Like Let they are super you, fun offensively. One of the funnest things I've been to is the super regionals at UVA. Yeah. And right now there's some projections that would send UVA to College Park for a super mm. regional. College baseball energy is so different from major league baseball energy. Yes, it is. It really, really is. And it, it's like it's got the mix of an MLB playoff energy. But just the idea that a lot more ridiculous things can happen. And big honestly. time college football energy too. Yeah. 
yeah, it just has that little intrinsic quality that college sports has that pro sports sometimes doesn't have. It is, yeah. The I was obviously worked the 15 regional, just an incredible amount of energy in that park of UVA. And UVA has never like historically had the most energetic fans. So, but they it was awesome. There's an awesome terms contingent both years. Awesome terms contingent. So hopefully people jump on the train and support the boys. Any honorable mentions? I had some, but it's late and I've just, my brain is just not there. Not that, I mean, it's a nice end of discussion to talk about we, Maryland we baseball. Said some good, really good things about a lot of really good things. Yeah. The road trip commencing. RDT is just staring at his iPad right now. I'm, just, I'm, yeah. I'm scrolling through Twitter because it's it's a madhouse right now. Frank the Tank is, is banned, has lost his account, and it's just. Oh, no. Yeah, it is. He's tweeting through Coach Doug's account, so that's, that's <laughs> a must-follow stuff. And the Mets are losing like six to one. So that's what I was gonna say. There must be something going on with the Mets. Oh, the Flames and the Oilers are tied at three in the what a comeback for the Flames. Yeah. Big time from the Flames. I didn't realize that Vander Kane was on the Orioles or on the Orioles. (laughs) On the Oilers. God, it's late. This podcast is finishing very soon here. Uh touch tough Wikipedia page for Mr. Kane, by the way. That he got chirped last last week, Brian. Brian, did you see that? What that guy said to him? I saw that. Yeah. What about did he him say? Um, for bankruptcy that he was like poor or whatever. Yeah. That's. I mean, <laughs> probably deserves to get chirped. There's I mean, no other know. comeback. All that no. stuff. I guess some of that stuff is alleged, but who? When you have six sections to your like criminal wick part of your Wikipedia page, you're having a tough. You're having a tough stretch. Yeah. If there's anything that's other than your personal, like it's not good. I think he literally has a – I looked at this last night. He literally had – controversies and legal issues. There's five sections, five Ooh. separate sections, including assault and harassment charges, gambling debts and bankruptcy, NHL game betting allegations, domestic violence allegations, and violation of the NHL's COVID-19 protocols. It's a hell of a bingo board. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Tough scene. Checking all those boxes. Yeah, he got cut by the Sharks this year, and the, I guess the Oilers were just like, all right. We'll roll that way. NHL playoffs have been way better than the NBA playoffs. Oh, yeah. And with that, we will end the Exit 52 podcast. Uh, make sure to follow us on all of our social media channels at Exit 52 on Twitter, at Exit 52 on Instagram. Make sure to tweet at us all of our personal accounts. At Barstool Banks, at E-D-I-T-T-I-22. Did I get that? I thought yeah. I messed that up for a second. You got that. At Taylor Smythe 10. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors, as always. Um, And we will see you next time on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy's Seafood.